Hey everyone, it's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com and uh, this week I have a guest with me, Rick Nicholson from therestaurantninjas.com and uh, Rick and I were having a conversation on the telephone and I thought it would make a great topic for a discussion on the channel and so I invited Rick on. Uh, Rick, say hello. Hey, how you doing? Uh, maybe introduce yourself a little bit. You. You are a restaurant ninja, but you also own restaurants. You used to own restaurants. You have a, a book out that people can download for free. Why don't you give a, just a quick synopsis on who you are before we get into the topic? Sure. I, I come from the corporate world. I used to be a finance guy, became a marketer, uh, left the corporate world to buy my own restaurant. Uh, since then, that was 12 years ago, I have bought and sold uh, five restaurants. So I've Bought five or started five and sold off three of them and I currently own two restaurants and I'm also a restaurant consultant helping people on the marketing side and some of their optimization of either food costs or operations that's right and and for those of you who have read franchise warnings of course Rick Nicholson is the person who wrote the foreword in franchise warnings because right you, were, you your first restaurants were franchises and before you owned them you worked within a franchise restaurant uh, corporate a franchisor, I guess. You were That's in the right. marketing department. So so you've seen franchises from both sides. Today, we're going to talk, and, and the, the free book at therestaurantninjas.com that people can download, it's called uh, The Art of Rent Restaurant Theft, uh, 70 Sneaky Tricks Your Employees May Be Doing. Um, so obviously, you've got a lot of experience, Rick, if you've been able to write a book like that, which <laughs> if restaurateurs don't get their hands on it and their employees do, uh, they'll go broke real quick, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And the, and most of those, uh, the sneaky tricks that I talk about is just, some, a lot of them are, are examples that were people were trying to steal from me. So I was just putting them together and said, hey, all these uh, all these little things that people are doing, it seems like it's a, a rite of passage for an owner to learn. Like, why are we doing that? Why don't we just put it all on the table? And if somebody's starting a restaurant, they can figure out pretty quickly how others are going to steal from them. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know it's funny because in my in my history when I was a business broker, I used to look. At, you know, I I probably sold over a dozen restaurants for other people, and one of the things I noticed is that large restaurants have systems in place to prevent theft. And there's a the, you know the only way you can steal is if someone in the front is colluding with someone in the back, and they yep. manage to fudge inventory. Like there's a lot of coordination that has to happen for people to steal in a bigger place, which has all the systems in place, and the small mom and pop shop. They just have a family member there watching everything, right? And so, yeah, exactly. and so that's their control system. But it's the it's the people in the middle that can really get screwed by unscrupulous employees who know some of these tricks. But today, what we're going to talk about is supplier advances, because you and I were having a discussion about the latest restaurant that you just bought and some of the problems that the previous owners had had were related to. Um, advances from suppliers, and you were also talking with a client recently why, uh, who's, who's in this scenario, and why don't you talk a little bit about how this happens, why suppliers offer money to restaurant owners, what their goal is, and, and what the problems have been in your experience. Well, it's interesting. You, you, you've given me a bunch of questions, and I think I have ADD at times, so you have to be careful in putting too many questions together, but what, what I can explain to you based on our conversation this morning, David, is the, um, 
and, it, and it's not just conducive to restaurants. I'm, I guarantee you it happens in other industries where there's a, a distribution channel because you've got all of these different organizations trying to get money, trying to create margins, trying to increase margins, uh, trying to grow sales. Um, there, there's some unscrupulous activities that are going on, definitely in the restaurant industry, but I'm sure it's happening everywhere. Um, in the restaurant industry, what happens is we're working with small margins. So in some cases, when you look at net profit margins, we could be dealing with as little as 5 to 10% margin. In some cases, even lower, depending on the, vol the net volume. When you're looking at those volumes, what hap or those margins, what happens is if something slides, so if there's some employee theft going on that you're not, you know, it's not huge, but it, it might knock off a point. And if you've got, you know, you're, you're, you're watching your labor, but you're giving it a little bit of leeway because you want to take a vacation or you, and you start letting that slide a bit. Um, or employees could be stealing hours from you if you don't have the right systems in place and you lose a point there. All of a sudden you get down in these in these really dangerous zones of two, three percent margin. So you can have a restaurant that does as much as one point five million dollars with no profit at the end of the year. And and what happens is you get into a you get in you get your back up against a wall where you're you're you don't understand you're busy. There's money coming in the door, but it's going out the door like 30 days later or 45 days later, whatever you do to extend terms with your creditors. But eventually you get into a cash crunch and somewhere somebody fails to get paid. So in Canada, many times it's CRA. I'm sure in the United States it's it's similar with um, what's, what's the organization in the U.S.? I can't think of it right now. Like the IRS or, or yes, the exactly. local workplace health and safety. Any of these government remittances were typically – you're paying employees maybe over three months or something, and you're remitting something to a government agency quarterly, or right. sales tax quarterly, or something like this. And and what ends up happening is everything seems to work, and then all of a sudden this quarterly bill comes along, and suddenly you don't have the money for it. That's right. So and that can I, I the example that the business that I just bought recently, um, they've been basically living this life for six years where they've been robbing from one creditor to pay off another. And little by little, they started getting extended, not past 30 days, more like you know, 250 days in some cases. And, and with the federal government, uh, it was out two years. And, and just little by little, they started losing control of their cash. They lost control of their business. And, and what happens in a lot of cases, especially in the restaurant industry, it's, it's notorious for it, is the supplier will come along, or the distributor, more importantly, and they'll offer some type of terms. So there'll be cash on the table in order to keep buying the product from the distributor. And, and you're, you're locked in as a, as a restaurant owner. You're pretty, you're, you know, you may be 60 days out on your terms with that creditor. Uh, you're really trying to, you know, negotiate, but you have no room to negotiate. And so you can't go to a, a secondary supplier because you already owe, you know, your primary supplier way too much money. And so that, that distributor comes to the table and, and maybe puts $50,000 on the table. You know, a $1.5 million operation, 50000 in the grand scheme of things is not a lot of money. But what ends up happening is the distributor locks you into a purchasing contract until you pay it off. So they may not tell you they're raising pricing, but somewhere down the road they recover their investment of $50,000. Okay, so so they'll... I know that we've we've talked about this before, and you've you've actually seen cases where um, people have taken money from a distributor. They then have to buy from that distributor, That's and right. and instead of having a loan repayment, 
right? So it's it's transparent. We know how much is owed and how much is being paid, etc. Yep. They just have to keep buying, and sometimes there's there's an assurance, like they have to buy a million dollars worth of seafood or a million dollars worth of produce or or something like this. That's and right. and what ends up happening though is that the distributor, of course, raises their markup because they want to make money and recover the loan. But because of a lack of transparency, the restaurateur never really knows how much the advance ends up costing him. But you, you've talked to me about people whose cost of cost of goods in a restaurant have jumped by like 10%. That's right. Well, there was one example uh, about six months ago that I looked at and their, their food cost had gone from 32 to 39% in a three-year period. And when we- sorry, you, just fuzzed, you just fuzzed out. Can you take oh, that up again? Yeah, so there was one restaurant operator that I was working with about six months ago, and his food costs had jumped from 32 to 39 percent in about a three-year window. And on on further analysis, I asked some questions about theft, and maybe there was some potential, or maybe he wasn't taking his price increases annually, or you know, if he wasn't annual, wasn't checking his menu mix, and and what it came down to when I looked at his balance sheet, he had a fifty thousand dollar liability that I I didn't understand. And, and when we started talking about it, I realized he had accepted a check from his distributor. And when we started looking at his pricing that he was currently paying for products, they were significantly higher than another supplier would have been if he would have, if he would have jumped. And what, in, in just, you know, just very, very quick, that $50,000 that he accepted over a th- three year period, he paid back $200,000 in that 50. Wow. Well, that's huge, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and you're talking about typically the gross margins in restaurants can be quite healthy. That's what attracts people into the business. That's right. The net margins, of course, that end up being really thin because it's a, it's a competitive industry. You can't just double your prices. Like there's all these forces at play that that mm-hmm. that keep restaurateurs from from making too much money. Basically, someone starts to make too much money, it invites other people into their market. Right. That's right. And, That's right. And so. So you said that they had a liability on their balance sheet of $50,000. So was that a scenario where they were expected to pay it back or were they just not accounting for it properly? They, they probably weren't accounting for it properly, but it did show up. The accountant that they had hired had put it in as a liability. And I'm assuming it would have been a write-off after they had, they had uh, achieved their contractual obligation. Okay. I've seen the same kind of thing actually in uh, the fuel distribution industry. Okay. Where uh, gasoline suppliers um, will actually provide money specifically for refitting tanks or installing pumps or this kind of thing. And, but it's very, very transparent in the contracts. What, what it will say is that this money is being advanced and we will write off this loan at a rate of so many pennies per liter that you, of gasoline you buy from us so that you know exactly when it's, when it's been repaid. And so those retailers can calculate their margin and know how much money they're making and they know how much of their margin is going back to repay these right. loans. And the, the loans typically don't have interest associated to them. The distributor is just trying to lock up the volume. Um, but what you're talking about is, is, very, is very opaque. Like you can't, the restaurateur doesn't understand exactly what it's costing him, obviously. Exactly. Not only, and it's, Unfortunately, in our in our industry, there aren't a lot of sophisticated. Like, if you had to me- measure how many sophisticated restaurant operators there were versus unsophisticated, 
we would be hugely leaning towards the unsophisticated operator. And not to say there's not some really great operators out there. So it's those unsophisticated operators that really don't understand the metrics of how to run this as a business. And, and they're the ones that really, really get hosed. And not to say that you know they're the only ones, because I know of a great operator right now who has two locations, does about almost $10 million in sales a year. And, um, and he's locked into one of those contracts. But he knowingly did it because he couldn't get the financing from the bank to finish his second project, and the distributor came together with a check. He, has, he, had, he really had no choice if he wanted to do that project. Yeah, okay. Um, now, consistent with this idea that there are a lot of unsophisticated operators out there, um, I did a video well, maybe about two months ago about the true cost of merchant cash advance when people take a cash advance on, against their credit card terminal. Yep. And uh, and I remember you had said something to me about that, and you mentioned that you had had a client that was involved in one of those deals, and they were giving up something like they had accepted money in exchange for twelve or fifteen percent of their total receipts through the machine, yep. and they believed that that meant that they were borrowing money at twelve or thirteen percent. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It was it was crazy. I'd figured it out. And I don't know if I had done it right. You definitely have a lot more experience in that than I do. But I think it was 38% effective interest rate, but it was over six months. So if you had to multiply that by two, that would be like a 76% effective interest rate, like annual. Yeah, and which is what you have to do. You have to annualize it so you can compare, you know, ap apples to apples with different rates of interest. And, and that would actually be quite low. Um, for those types of financing. So, but to your point about people not being sophisticated, I think a lot of the times in some of these restaurant operations, you're talking about chefs or people who come from the industry who get an idea that they want to own their own place. It's the Michael Gerber e-myth technician versus entrepreneur thing. You probably see that all the time. All the time. Yeah. All right. Well, Thanks a lot, Rick. I, I thought it was an interesting topic. I thought my listeners may want to may want to hear more about it. Of course, uh, anyone who's watching this video or listening to the podcast should subscribe to my email list at davidcbarnett.com where they can get these things every Friday in their inbox. And Rick, uh, I noticed you have a sign-up too at your website. Why don't you give us your website address again and invite people to come and download a free copy of that book? Oh, absolutely. They can go to uh, my website, which is called therestaurantninjas.com. And it's a pop-up right away. They get a free copy of the book just by giving me their email address. And uh, it's a great read, and it's an eye-opener for somebody who's not aware of uh, how some people can steal from you. It's really crazy. And, and while you own your own restaurants, you actually travel and work with restaurant owners all across North America who need, who need help to either get costing under control or sales growth. Is that right? Yeah. I, I didn't tell you the great news, Dave. I'm actually going out to Edmonton in a couple of weeks. So what's, you know, we're on the East Coast and we're, I'm going over to the West Coast because there's a, uh, there's a restaurant operator who's, uh, who's asked me to come out and help him. And I wanted to go to Edmonton to catch an NHL game. So it kind of just works serendipitously. <laughs> yeah. You know what? The, there, there's all kinds of people out there that, that will tell you that there's this law of attraction. And so the longer you hope to see the Oilers play, the more likely it is that someone will call you up and pay for your flight. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks, Rick. It's been great, and we'll talk to you later. Okay. Take care, Dave. Bye. Right. Bye.